Support for Terrestrial comes from Evergreen State College, a public liberal arts college located in Olympia, Washington. Learn more about undergraduate and graduate programs in environmental sustainability, policy, and advocacy at evergreen.edu. The generations having kids right now are unique. We're the first to face the decision about whether or not to have kids against the backdrop of climate change. Dry conditions and severe drought that plague much. Absolutely, they could be completely wiped off the map. This has so vast. 60 million Americans will feel its power. And we've been hearing for pretty much our whole lives scientists sounding the alarm about all the greenhouse gas emissions we've put into the atmosphere. I mean, we know the planet is changing. We know droughts and superstorms are becoming more common. Temperatures and sea levels are rising around the globe. So I'm a millennial. I'm at the age where I'm thinking about the kid thing personally. And because of what I do for a living, I also talk to scientists and think about climate change a lot. And I got to say, my husband and I are on the fence about having kids, in large part out of concern for the environment. I'm Ashley Ahern, and you're listening to Terrestrial, a show that explores the choices we make in a world we've changed. Today, we're taking a look at the decision to have kids. And for most of us, the environment isn't a top factor in that choice. But given the reality of climate change and population growth, should it be? my colleague, Roxandra Guidi, about how she approached this decision. She's a journalist, and she has a four-year-old daughter named Camila. Parenting, I think, has a way of, like, how can I put this? Being way more primal than something that you rationalize about. Am I making sense? The decision to become a parent often kind of trumps any other things that we do in our rational thinking lives. I spoke to a lot of people, both with kids and without, as I was reporting this episode. And just about everyone, including Rux, told me they're concerned about what kind of planet we're leaving for future generations. So yes, one thing that was on my mind is what sort of world will my kid inherit? For some people who don't have kids yet, those fears about where the planet is headed are big enough to make them choose not to have kids at all. Hi. My name's Mary Finley. And I'm Travis Sherman, and we're at mine and Mary's house. Tonka, calm down. I'm going to give Tonka some cheese. Tonka is a 100-pound American bulldog, and he's the only baby Travis and Mary want in their lives. The couple says they decided not to have kids out of a concern for the environment, but they each came to the decision in a different way. For Travis, it started with growing up in Las Vegas. Throughout his childhood, he was watching as the water levels in nearby Lake Mead dropped. What we grow our food with, what we drink, what we bathe ourselves with, it's going to be far more important than oil ever was. Then, after high school, he joined the Navy, and he started hearing people talk about resource scarcity and global unrest tied to water shortages. I'm fearful of the world that we are making for ourselves. I don't see us trying to change on a large scale, and so I don't see it getting better. And that's why I don't want to have a child. 
Yeah, um, I've always been pretty good at school. Mary grew up poor in rural Washington state. She married her high school sweetheart at 19, a different guy, not Travis, and figured they'd have a few kids. It seemed like that was the track that I was on. So, you're 30. (laughs) You're not married to that dude anymore, and you don't have any kids. What happened? (laughs) I went back to school, I think, is really what started the whole ball rolling. I think slowly over time, it it changed from I, I want kids for sure, to I'm pretty sure I want kids, then to I don't really know if I want kids. And now I'm 30, and I'm like, I definitely don't want children. Now she wants to get a Ph.D. in psychology, and she knows that while having kids wouldn't make that impossible, it would definitely be harder in a lot of ways. Mary says she also worries about the environment and climate change. So for me, I don't want to bring another life into the world um, and add to the problem that we're already having because people really are the problem. And so I'd rather educate the people that we have and try to be part of the solution. I think about that a lot, too, that we're the problem and that our endless consumption is making it hard for all the other species that share the planet with us. And Americans are particularly responsible. We use about a quarter of the world's oil, a quarter of its natural gas, a fifth of the paper. Yet Americans are only about 5% of the world's population. And because we consume more, we emit more greenhouse gases. And those emissions are changing the very chemistry of the world's oceans and the composition of the atmosphere. And in case you're wondering, I am really fun at a cocktail party. (laughs) But unfortunately, it's not like I'm coming out of left field either. As climate scientists continue to gather data and make better models, more of them say we should all be worried. Chris Field of Stanford University is one of those scientists, and he has some clear ideas about what the world could look like in the next few decades. What we're going to see is that if we're currently a a world on simmer, uh, by 2030s, we'll be kind of a world on medium. We can think about our future, Chris says, like a sort of climate change choose-your-own-adventure. Picture two worlds. In world number one, we shift away from fossil fuels and drastically cut our greenhouse gas emissions. And that's a world where we have a a little more warming in the system than we've got now, but where basically we've put a lid on the amount of warming that occurs. It wouldn't be a terrible world. I mean, not exactly comfy, but we'd get by. Now, what if we pick world number two? This is the world where we continue, just like we are now, burning fossil fuels and turning up the heat. That would be a world where we would be rapidly warming and we would be committed to a very long, many hundred-year period of large amounts of sea level rise. Now, sea level rise and warmer temperatures may seem like stuff that we can handle. But Chris says that by the end of this century, superstorms, widespread droughts, massive crop failures could be such frequent events that we just won't be equipped as a society to deal with the changes the fundamental approaches to sustaining livelihood that have been relevant for centuries, whether it's agriculture or forestry or fishing, uh, no longer work in various parts of the world. And we're seeing massive hundreds of millions of people moving around to end up in places where they can aspire to find the means of a basic livelihood. Okay, so what should we do? Well, there are some who hear these predictions and say, you know what, maybe we just shouldn't be here, like as a species. 
We're a voluntary movement which seeks to bring about the extinction of Homo sapiens. Les Knight is the founder of the Voluntary Human Extinction Movement. It's a Facebook group with about 10,000 followers for people who have chosen not to have kids in order to save the planet. And they think everyone should join them in that decision. Well, that, that is the goal, but, you know, the odds are pretty slim. Uh, it hasn't really caught on. Les says when it comes right down to it, humans are bad for the planet. He calls us super predators. And he says that what we see as our greatest accomplishments, you know, art, music, space travel, have no real value for the rest of the animal kingdom. The uh, Mona Lisa won't really impress a tiger. And I think we need to um, justify our existence by how we interact with the in, with the other 10, 20 million species that are here on the planet. And it it's not looking good. At one point, Les had some bumper stickers made up that say, thank you for thinking before breeding and live long and die out. He says they're meant to counteract what he calls natalist propaganda. Basically, it's this idea that, well, it's everywhere, the subtle societal pressure to make babies. You don't get many likes for saying, we've decided not to procreate. You get likes for showing your sonogram. The funny thing is, Les likes kids. He says they're more interesting than most of the adults he talks to. And he's a substitute teacher, so he's around kids every day. But he doesn't want any of his own. He's known that since high school. And some people have definitely called his movement extreme. But Les is by no means the first to sound the alarm about population growth. Back in the late 1700s, a guy named Robert Malthus wrote a controversial essay which basically said that human beings are bad at moderation, that our population always grows to meet or exceed the available resources. Malthus believed that war and disease were actually natural checks on our tendency to breed out of control. He was against government support for the poor and the hungry, so you can see why he was not the most popular dude of his day. And like Les, he got a lot of pushback for his ideas. For every week that goes by, there are more than a million new humans born. At that rate, there will be more than 11 billion people on Earth by the end of this century. That's a number that some scientists say the planet just can't sustain. And it's figures like this that turn people like Mary and Travis off of the idea of having kids. But for others, it's not about numbers. It's about the deeply biological and even spiritual human experience of bringing a child into the world. The child is not the problem. It's the way we and the past generation and my parents' generation and our future generations have been taught and will be taught. That's the problem. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. And we're going to meet a young couple who's worried about our changing climate. But they say that's not a factor in their family planning. They'll have as many children as God gives them. Sometimes when I sit still with this question and just listen to my heart, I do sense deep down that giving birth and raising a kid is an experience that I might very much like to have someday. And I wanted to talk to a couple who is embarking on that journey now. Hi. I'm here to see Keenan. Keenan and Brianna Fitzpatrick are a Catholic couple in their mid-20s. I met with them at their church, St. Thomas, in Boulder, Colorado. I just wanted to begin in a prayer. 
Keenan works for a Catholic youth outdoor adventure program. He has dark hair that he wears in a ponytail and bright eyes. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, the beautiful gift of life. Thank you for the unique qualities. Brianna sits next to her husband, head bowed, hands clasped gently over her round stomach. First trimester was definitely very difficult. I remember at the very beginning, I was like, I don't know how women do this more than once, just because of like how I was feeling. Keenan and Brianna are expecting their first child. They live on an organic farm outside of Boulder, and they're concerned about climate change and acknowledge that humans have contributed to the problem. But their faith is at the center of how they approach family planning, not the environment. Every child is, is a miracle and a blessing in itself. I just know for us, the environmental concerns are not going to lessen the amount of kids we have. They told me they're happy the Pope has called on his followers to fight climate change, but that for Catholics, it's not right to blame children for the problems in the world. And Keenan and his wife say, who knows, maybe their children will be part of the solution. What if baby fits, because we don't know the gender, what if baby fits will be the inventor of a completely green and sustainable factory? How can we bring our children into this world to better in a more holistic and pure way, use its resources. What would you say to people who have made the decision not to have kids at all because of their environmental concerns? In my mind, anytime there's a problem, I'm always like, okay, how do we figure out a solution? What if every person chose not to have children? Like, just because of environmental issues. Is that a reason to stop life as a whole? In my mind, no. And I think it comes down to fear. Fear is, is a normal expression of the human heart, but it's what do we do with that fear? But I can look back in my life and say that every decision I've made out of fear has not been a good one. So where does this leave us? For some of us, faith isn't part of the decision to have kids. But I hear what Keenan and Brianna were saying about fear and how it affects us and the decisions we make. Unlike Mary and Travis, who aren't going to have kids out of concern for the environment, Keenan and Brianna don't see any conflict between caring for the earth and having kids. So my question now is, is there a way to reconcile these two standpoints? Alan Weissman is the author of Countdown and the World Without Us, two books about how our growing population affects the planet. And both contain dire warnings. Yet he also says that having a kid can be an environmentally friendly choice. And here's why. If we started tomorrow uh, just having one child per family, we would continue to grow for about a generation and then we would peak and then drop dramatically. Sounds pretty simple, but what he's saying here is kind of huge. If each family only had one kid, we'd have a shot at turning this population growth train around. And by the end of the century, we'd be down below 2 billion, our population would be around 1.6 billion. And 1.6 billion is a human population that scientists say the planet can handle just fine. Now, of course, China instituted a one-child policy and there have been all kinds of issues, and it's hard to imagine that flying in any other country. But Alan says having a sustainable population doesn't require government intervention. While researching his book, he traveled all over the world trying to understand population dynamics. And he noticed a pattern. Remember Mary, who put herself through college and then decided she didn't want to have kids? 
Well, that's the pattern Alan saw all over the world. There's one thing that no matter if a country is um, secular, Christian, um, Muslim, Buddhist. Rich, poor, tropical or temperate. The one universal that works in all those countries is that if you educate girls, they solve the problem automatically without a government telling them what to do. He said that basically, if a girl gets through secondary school, on average she'll have two kids or fewer. More education for women leads to lower birth rates. And while Alan has spent a lot of time writing about the challenges of a growing population, he's not against people having kids. In one of his books, he interviews two young Italian couples who are grappling with the decision about whether or not to have kids. One of the couples finds out that they are pregnant. And in that moment, the answer to them is so obvious. You know, of course you have children because that child uh, becomes your reason for hope. Alan told me that once you have a kid, you want to do whatever you can to make the future better and safer for your child, which is also what the young Italian couple found. It renewed their commitment to do whatever it takes to fight to make sure that this planet uh, continues to be able to sustain human life. Just not too much human life, Alan says. Because that's when the law of diminishing returns sets in. Too much of anything is just too much. Where are you on this baby environment spectrum? Do you have a kid and worry about climate change? Did you choose not to have a kid, in part because of where the planet's headed? Or was it not really a factor in your decision? You can head over to our Facebook group. Just type in terrestrial and it should pop right up and share your thoughts with your fellow listeners. And while we're talking about having kids, there's another podcast I think you might like. It's called How to Be a Girl, and it's produced by my friend Marlo Mack. It's about raising a transgender child. What are your favorite things to play with? My princess things. Your princess things? Why do you like princesses so much? I just kind of do. Do you think it's okay for boys to like princesses? So be sure to check that out. Terrestrial is edited by Annie Aviles. Our producer and sound designer is Jonathan Hirsch. Lila Cherneff is our fact checker. Brendan Sweeney is our managing editor. Special thanks to Roxandra Guidi for all her help on this episode. Our theme music is by the band Tremor. Terrestrial was developed with support from the NPR Story Lab and were produced out of KUOW in Seattle. I'm Ashley Ahern. Thanks so much for listening. Support for Terrestrial comes from Evergreen State College, a public liberal arts college in Olympia, Washington, providing an academically rigorous and individually tailored education, preparing students for lives spent serving, creating, and innovating. Learn more at evergreen.edu.